most horror films rely on someone doing something stupid. Mm. Hey, no, maybe don't read from that evil book of wizard demon conjuring. Oh, okay, let's go watch Holmes Under the Hammer instead. <laughs> Put the book down, and it's like, I mean, some would say it's more horrifying having to watch 90 minutes of Holmes Under the Hammer, but... John, we should make a horror film. <laughs> when Keris does Holmes Under the Hammer, she means it with the hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of the Nerdfest podcast. With us this week we have Dan Watkins, Karen Gibson, Peter Johnson, and I'm John Farman. Today we have a very special episode. In fact, it's not a very special episode, it's exactly the same as half the episode we've ever done. <laughs> this episode we've got some bluffs or bluffs where we try and trick each other with our film knowledge or lack of it. And Dan has a special quiz for us. Should I reveal it now here in the introduction? As a tease for later on, Peter's shaking his head viciously to my right, so I think I probably shouldn't. <laughs> I'm going to keep it a surprise. Give us a little tease. Tease us, Dan. Just a tip. I'll tease you with the tip of the cap worn by Steve Buscemi. Mm. So let's get started. Stop trying to guess. I'm not allowed to tell you. Until later on. Is it about unusual methods of contraception? <laughs> that would be an interesting quiz. Imagine if you pulled down your pants, there was a little Steve Bashimi there. I go, ay, ay, ay. Don't know why he's an old Jewish man. <laughs> That's exactly what happens to me. Well, he's been circumcised. Yeah. Have you ever taken a man home, Kenneth, to find he's got a little Steve Bashimi in his pants? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> happens to all of us once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> he's very good in grown-ups too. <laughs> I mean, no, he's, 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 he's not, but he gives it a good go. You know how conscientious objectors like, refuse to pay a portion of their income tax because they don't like to support the army and the military and things like that? I am, <laughs> I am keeping back 50 pence of my monthly Netflix subscription because I object to funding another Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> oh, I've got something to confess. Are you a Ooh. Sandler fan? I, I put Jack and Jill on and it's exactly what I wanted. It was silly stupid ridiculous and al pacino was in it and he was fantastic yeah i mean the reason he's got the massive netflix deal is because oh. loads of people love his films mm -hmm. and i did mention grown-ups too i only watched it because of the worst idea of all time podcast where they watched it 52 times mm -hmm. over the course of a year because they're insane but <laughs> at the end of every episode they said don't watch the movie guess what after episode 52 i really wanted to watch the movie mm -hmm. and i had a lot of fun with it but only because of all of the in jokes that i knew were yeah. coming but grown-ups must have been popular enough to get a sequel so mm -hmm. people like the sandler when you said it was exactly what you wanted were you looking for reasons to cancel your netflix subscription <laughs> <laughs> no it was just intensely lowbrow trash Some, mm. sometimes that that hits you the right way what's people's go-to just put on in the background cheer myself up kind of movie go that's quite intense mm. yeah like uh, I, I usually have something quite violent on in the background as i'm pottering about the house and my housemates mm. like Ew. my wife often does this when she's ironing she'll often put horror movies on whether that says something about how she feels mm -hmm. about the ironing i don't know <laughs> It's probably a Star War for me. Mm. The Dark Knight, I can just have on in the background, be doing other things and 
tune it in and out of and I've seen it that many times, mm. I can instantly pick up where I'm at in the film. Even though it's one that sort of needs your attention, after a couple of dozen viewings, it kind of doesn't. So that's quite a nice comfort viewing mm. for me. Probably like 80s action, something like Terminator or Terminator 2 or those kind of things. I'm obviously showing the dead. Basically, any film that's on on ITV two at half eleven at night on repeat. Yeah, they they play Rogue One a lot at the moment, mm. and you do end up watching the whole thing, or at least I do. I love that movie. It's so good. So, in a um, unrelated segue, is anyone a member of an unusual club case? Oh, <laughs> it's funny you should mention that, John. It is funny. I am part of a Keanu Reeves film. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that the noise you make whilst watching this film? <laughs> <laughs> I am part of a Keanu Reeves film club with my friends. We get together and we watch the brilliance and wonder that is Keanu Reeves's face. What have you watched so far? There's actually a lot of Keanu Reeves films that I haven't seen, oh. despite loving them. Recently, we watched Speed. Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> it's a great film. I love Speed. It got me through, got me through my exams. <laughs> well, yeah. I, did, I, I did suggest that. Yeah, really liked Speed. Watched the sequel with the cruise ship. Watched the next sequel with that milk van in mm. Ireland with the priests. How terrible was the sequel, though? It I, was appalling. I've never seen it. Sandra Bullock was in the sequel, was she not? She was. Same character? Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. unlucky. Isn't it? Yeah. Can a cruise ship go 50 miles an hour? Well, that's the problem. No. It's called speed, and yet they have one of the slowest moving things on planet Earth. And <laughs> that's <laughs> ridiculous. They go constantly in a circle around the planet, presumably, without hitting anything other than a dolphin. Oh. Well, the original had, uh, was it Dennis Hopper as the yeah. bad guy? Yeah. Uh, yes. Being quite over the top, if I remember correctly. He was quite a villainous villain. He laughs like a, a Mario Kart character. It's a me, a Dennis Hopper. <laughs> in the movie, Mario Brothers. He actually played the villain in that, didn't he? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he was King Cooper. So on Friday night, I rode the ridiculous action-packed 90s-gasm that is Speed. 90s-gasm is an excellent way to describe Speed. <laughs> Thank you. If I ever form a, a retro grunge band, I'm going to call it 90s-gasm. Um. Are you aware of the uh, Simpsons flashback episode where Homer formed oh, a God. 90s grunge bad and it was called Sadgasm? Yes, I am. I'd, I knew I'd got that from somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's the, a brilliant moment in one of my favourite episodes where Homer's talking about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed above 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. And he thought it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. <laughs> one of my favourite Simpsons uh, gags. That's so much better than the actual title. <laughs> I would love a movie poster that said that. But speed. Sorry, Karis. I loved seeing Jeff Daniels walk onto the screen because I just, I, 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 Jeff Daniels to me is always going to be Harry from Dumb and Dumber and I couldn't take him seriously even when mm -hmm. he was trying so hard to be serious. I have the same thing with a different character in that one of the guys on the bus is Ferris's friend from Ferris Bueller's yes. Day Off. Oh, yes. Um, and I think it was Al the first Alan Ruck. In. Yeah. Yes. Let's not talk about him too much because he might turn up in my quiz. Ooh. Oh. The opening of the movie, there's these uh, exec corporate corporates in a lift and the lift goes down and nobody is bothered. I'm terrified of lifts. 
and none of them were bothered or scared. I don't think they deserved to survive. That they were just in a lift. It fell and then the lift brakes activated. Yeah. yeah. And then they were like stuck in the lift. And they weren't scared. Nobody was bothered. Yeah. I mean, that's your particular personal phobia. And they don't make films, I'm afraid, just for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm scared of... Um, what am I scared of? I mean, oddly, <laughs> they did make a film just for you, and it was called Mandy. They did, yes. <laughs> but it was only to shut me up. <laughs> what are people scared? Dan doesn't like eyeballs. Yeah, um, I don't want anybody touching my eyeballs. I sent you a picture of my lychee eyeball. Yeah, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> After I sent that, I felt immediately bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. No, thanks. Okay. Never watch Zombie Flesh Eaters. Like I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad, you were going to watch that. I know, that was that was your evening's viewing, wasn't it, after Ted Lasso? Yeah, uh-huh. it was going to be Ted Lasso, Muppets Haunted Mansion, and then mm. Zombie Flesh Eaters. <laughs> Just easing my way into the yeah. horror. I mean, if there was a chance <laughs> Ted Lasso was going to get spiked through the eyeball, <laughs> you might get him to tune in. Just as he's walking down a, a fancy <laughs> London street. Just a zombie appears with a bit of stick. Does he make... That's, that needs to be a deleted scene from the show. Well, Apple TV, if you're listening. <laughs> Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock definitely hurt and kill more people trying to save the bus. Mm. Discuss. It's not a real baby. I basically think that he should have just left the bus because they inconvenience the whole of LA. <laughs> have you ever been to LA? So yeah, it's just have. one uh, endless inconvenience. I have. Yeah. I, f- first of all, I'm surprised that the bus was even activated going over 50 miles an hour because of LA mm. traffic, which I've sat in a lot. Number two, the, the bus never had to stop. It was constantly in motion. And then at the end, when they drive the bus into a plane that has the capacity to hold four or five times over the amount of people that were on the bus. The plane's empty though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's being moved. There's a, a man who runs out of the accident completely unharmed. I, I, I just, I genuinely believe that they hurt more people trying to save those people on the bus who, again, weren't bothered. <laughs> Nobody is bothered. I just, I don't think it was worth it. You'd just let them die. Well, yeah. Just kill the bus full of people. Let nature take its course. <laughs> Dennis Hopper's not nature. <laughs> nature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Jurassic Park. You just let the buses with bombs on, just let them mm-hmm. free and yeah. be who they want to be. Yeah. Buses will find a way. They will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could sense my dad in the pictures in 1994 watching this movie and making what he thought was a very witty comment about woman drivers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's only when he takes over from Sandra Bullock that stuff gets done. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually factually accurate. I can't can't argue with that. (laughs) I mean, the same thing happened in Gravity when George Clooney drifted off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Even when he was an imaginary, he still managed to achieve more. (laughs) Let it be known that women are excellent drivers of buses, cars, spaceships and other vehicles besides. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for telling me that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to say that to be. I didn't want to say that to be mansplaining. Yeah, but I didn't, I know, I I didn't know, want I to just leave a, a joke about it in there and make it sound like we didn't think oh, that. I know, Dan. I know that you don't think that. Can you drive, Kiris? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not. I don't drive. Can you, John? No. <laughs> I was hoping nobody would remember that fact. <laughs> if either of us wore Keanu Reeves, nobody would have survived that bus. Because we couldn't have driven it. 
I'm a very fast learner. You're 55 <laughs> miles an hour at a speedway fast. Yeah. It's it's not hard. You put your foot down, you move the clutch. I'm just thinking how many people will die if you were Keanu Reeves. You steer. I've done I've done dodgem so many times in my life. <laughs> I would learn. It's it's not hard. Yeah, it's not I, hard yeah, driving a bus. We'd be fine. The bit where he goes under the bus and tries to defuse the bomb is one of the most ridiculous things in action movies. Really high tension. I don't experience this with uh, contemporary action films. There's something specific about 90s action movies where they're like 3, 7, not even 10 it, but they, they go a lot higher. Under the bus, he's scraping his, again, like it would just take his skin off, but oh, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> just not in the face, not in his beautiful face. The 90s has some of my favourite action films. Uh, Die Hard, obviously a year or two before this being mm -hmm. my favourite. The cinematographer for that, Jan de Bond, went on to direct this movie. I wonder if there's something to be said about the fact that they did their own stunts. And there's a lot of those kind of 90s action films, there's a lot of stunts that you can't fake. Yeah, Keanu's supposed to have done about 90% of the stuff in he, this movie. He did, yeah, he did. And when you look at contemporary action movies now, so much is CGI'd. I mean, I, I know that a part of that is to protect the actors as well. But but when you bah. look... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know until I was reading about this film that um, the, the point in the movie where the people on the bus are moving over to the other bus to be rescued by the police... Those actors were paid for doing those stunts because they actually did it. And I, I, I was quite surprised because I thought, oh, they would have had some kind of tricks. to no, no way would they have two moving buses throwing people across a bus. They actually did that. And knowing that added something to that for me. So this movie was ridiculous in wonderful ways, but I have a lot of respect for how it was made. So, speaking of speed, and speaking of bus or bluffs, I believe having watched speed, you've got some facts for us. I do. I have three buff or bluffs about the movie Speed. They'd be bus or bluffs. Have we got to answer <clears throat> them at over 50 miles an hour? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Number one. Joss Whedon rewrote the script. He owns a movie poster which credits him as the writer but he didn't receive any official credit for writing the dialogue. Number two. Sandra Bullock learned how to drive a bus, but a stunt driver controlled the bus either from the roof or from behind her throughout the shooting of the movie. Number three. There is currently a musical of speed in production. It's been delayed due to COVID, but it's going to be opening on Broadway next summer. How's that going to work? Well, they did a King Kong musical with a giant gorilla puppet, mm -hmm. so they can do most things on Broadway these days. They, they did could... Chitty Chitty Bang Bang on Broadway. Mm. It's Starlight Express that had like people racing around mm. in it. Did you think the set is just the inside <laughs> of the bus? Yeah, maybe you go into the auditorium and it's like bus seats. <laughs> yeah. And every, everything, the whole theatre is inside the bus. Yeah. Broadway set designers, ring me. Uh, I'm available. <laughs> I, I could see that Maybe happening. Maybe you have TV screens on either side, running up the sides of the cinema, so it looks like you're looking out the window. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Like immersive theatre. Yeah. Don't go see The Little Mermaid as immersive theatre. I made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> How well can you swim now, Peter? Yeah. I'm a genius. <laughs> I don't know why you would pick speed of 
all of the films that have not mm. become musicals yet. There have been some unusual films turned into musicals. Mm. I never would have thought American Psycho would have done it, but yeah. they did that. Is it all Huey Lewis tunes, is it? All I can remember is Matt Smith was in it. Yeah. It was at the Almeida, and it was supposed to be really, really good, but I didn't get to see it. I would love to see that. It's one of my favourite books. The um, soundtrack's on CD and streaming services. Is there anything that's been a book, a movie, a series and a musical? Les Miserables. Yeah, that's true. Phantom of the Opera has not been a TV series. Cats. Cats isn't Mm -hmm. a book. It's a book of poetry. Series. P.S. Eliot wrote it. Let's not get into Cats. Mm -hmm. No, we'll be here all day. (laughs) Sandra Bullock, I could imagine, would learn to drive a bus for authenticity. Yeah. But I can also imagine them not wanting to rely on her driving for the action scenes and would therefore have stunt drivers available. That makes sense. And he who shall not be named doing script work on it, he did a lot of that in the 90s yes. with the, the first X-Men, Toy Story, things like that. So it would be logical I mean, that Speed would be one of those. It's quite well known that he did the script for it. I don't know about the detail of the poster. That's the only thing I don't uh, know about. But I do know he didn't get credited. Graham Yost, who is the credited writer, said that Joss Whedon wrote like 90% of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. So are we agreed that one's true? I'm yeah, pretty sure that's, that's true. definitely yeah. true. Um, the musical sounds like the worst idea for a musical ever. and I saw... <laughs> still doesn't eliminate it from possibility. And I'm speaking to somebody who watched Diana the Musical this week. <laughs> oh. Tell us about that. It deserves its own special time in the sun. What? Preferably yeah. sent into the actual sun. Uh, you know what? I'm going with Sandra Bullock as the bluff because I want this speed musical to be a real thing. I'm going to go with the speed musical as the bluff because I think I know the other two. Okay. Same with me. I'm pretty sure I know the first two are true. Musicals for me. Okay. So the bluff is, I'm so sorry, Dan. No. It's the musical. (laughs) Yes, it is. Sandra Bullock got a license to drive buses. She she passed on her first test and then they brought in a stunt driver. Imagine learning how to drive a bus and then someone turning up and being like, I'm going to drive the bus now. I would be livid. This is like Darth Vader. This is like uh, Dave Powell's learning his lines all over again, isn't it? But, I mean, it makes sense because it means they could have one or two shots where you actually see her drive the bus without there being, say, someone on the roof who's actually doing the driving. But wouldn't that be quite terrifying for her being at the front of the bus, acting like she's driving the bus, and then somebody, like, two rows behind her actually driving or on top of the bus driving? She did have to act like she was terrified anyway, I suppose, so she could have used it. I, I, I don't think it's a wasted skill because it looks like she's driving the bus. Yeah. It's the same way like a lot of actors learn to play the piano or the guitar for musical roles, even though they're overdubbed, because it means that it, the fingering looks yeah. right and it yeah. looks like they know yeah. what they're doing. The fingering looks You've got to right. do the fingering right. You've got to do the fingering right. If you get over 55 miles an hour, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and there's a chance of explosion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Is that why they call it finger banging? Oh. Dan has his head in his hands. <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, shall I go next? Yes. yes. I've got three facts about one of my favourite game series, and that is the Tekken series of beat-em-ups. <gasps> hmm. Number one, the initial game in the Tekken series was the first game to exceed one million sales on the PS1 and received a Guinness World Record as a result. Number two... Tekken 3, the best one, included a mini-game of volleyball called Tekken Ball, 
and Tekken Tag Tournament, the other best one, had Tekken Bowling. Other mini-games the series considered were Tekken Tennis, Tekken Baseball, and Tekken Golf, but these ultimately didn't make it into a game. And number three, the series is known for weird and wonderful characters like Gon, the boxing dinosaur, and a stylish giant panda called Panda. But rejected characters for Tekken 3 included a giant praying mantis called Insect, and a fish that would just flop around and make flapping noises no matter what buttons he pressed. <laughs> That's incredible. Mm. Any Tekken fans? Yeah. I know Ian Mayer plays it quite a lot online and is uh, quite the expert. I I was a fan in the PlayStation era. Yeah, me too. So I played Tekken 3 a lot. I made a lot of money selling pirated copies of Tekken 3 in the school playground because <laughs> it came out in Japan about six months before it came out in the UK. And we had an import copy and a CD writer and lots of pocket money that month. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my brother and I, Tekken was the source of most of our fallouts as children. Mm. It actually caused a lot of physical fights between my brother and I. <laughs> Did you have the music? Yeah. Um, Did any of you get a perfect? <laughs> lots of awkward sidestepping. <laughs> <laughs> I've not played them since Tekken 3. Tekken 7 was a freebie on PS Plus or something last month. Yeah, I, I have Tekken 7, but was put off from it because rather than playing through the game to unlock extra characters, now they just want you to pay £7 a time mm. to get each additional character via DLC, mm. which seems a bit money-grabbing to me, and I've never really got into the more recent ones. But mm. Tekken Tag Tournament was the reason I wanted a PS2 when it came out. And I remember at uni, my housemates and I had a nightly Tekken 5 tournament before mm -hmm. bed each incredible. night. It was great fun. It was a really nice way after everyone had been working on dissertations and coursework. It was like, Tekken hour? Yep, we'll have a Tekken hour. Tekken hour? Yeah, it was great. There Loved was, it. Did anybody go to that retro video game conference at the Centre for Life? I think it was here the year before last. They had the arcade game of Tekken, and I played that against a five-year-old in a one, and I was very happy. It felt so <laughs> good. Oh, and yeah, I, I think I went to the first one of theirs. It tended to be either games you knew really, really well, or games you didn't know at all. And mm. uh, there was no, oh, I haven't seen that in so many years type of thing, which is what I was hoping for. You hope for that little sort of golden moment. There was a yeah. Simon. Oh, the, um, yeah. the, the sort of round. Yeah, I just I sat with the Simon for about 15 minutes on my own. They had, ev they had everything. So we need it. <laughs> Has everybody forgotten the facts? No. So <laughs> what was the mini game that you said was in Tekken 3? Uh, volleyball. Mm. My memory of Tekken 3 was it, there was like a golden axe type yes. side scrolling mm -hmm. game in it. I, th I think the fact was to do with the unused ideas. Yeah, so te yeah. Tekken volleyball and Tekken bowling both definitely yeah. exist. I I am not bluffing okay. at all on there. It's the made up but ones. But it's whether... It's not the made up <laughs> ones. It's the ones that didn't make it into a game. Mm. So uh, they had all sorts into of sports. Trap, did you? Yeah. I thought it'd fall into it, yeah. yeah. Um, I love the idea of the flapping fish. Mm. Let's yeah. say you've got to pay £7 for it. Uh, yeah. This was Tekken 3, though, so you would have just unlocked yeah. the fish. And I love that it flaps about... Unlock the fish! <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you press, that was a very fine detail indeed. For me, I think I'm going to pick that one as being true. I think the one I'm going to think is untrue is the one about the bonus games. Mm. I'm going to say that the extra characters are the bluff. I'm going to go for the fish. Well, uh, Peter is 
Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those were not rejected extra games for Tekken. Those are the games from Wii Sports. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Plans for Tekken 3 did... I knew did... they were familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Plans for Tekken 3 did include a giant praying mantis and a fish called Salmon who would just flap about no matter what you <laughs> pressed. And I wish he'd made it into the game. Oh. And yeah, Tekken was the first game to pass a million sales on the PS1, Ooh. as it should have, because it was great. It was fantastic. I noticed no one even doubted that one. I know. <laughs> I have three buffer bluffs about plots. With all the cinemas being closed during COVID, people have been a bit short of things to watch for movie entertainment. So I have the plots of three different movies which have recently surfaced on streaming services. And you've got to tell me which one I made up. Okay. Number one. Adam's Package, 2019. Adam is an alien living the life of a Hollywood hunk. He earns a good income as a male model and he's lusted after by a bevy of beautiful women, including a sexy ghost who haunts his condo. Top secret UFO documents discovered in his basement have placed him in danger. Shadow government operatives want him dead, as does his ex-wife for the insurance money. Living as an alien model in Hollywood certainly has its issues. Could I just stop you here, Peter? You've seen that one. You've sent the script for Peter's package to me many times, to many studios. And if you think by just changing one name, you can get this through. <laughs> but it'll be a big hit. <laughs> the best things come in small packages. <laughs> Charming. They do. Number two. Future Ghost 2012. Julie thinks she's met the man of her dreams when she meets Thomas, a skydiving DJ who speaks seven languages. But when she looks into the mirror on her honeymoon, she's shocked to see herself as a ghost standing behind her. The apparition explains that she's not from the past, but three years into the future, where Julie's been murdered by a new husband. Initially, she wants to run, but a ghost persuades her not to leave, and instead they work together to entrap Thomas and make him pay. Dan is writhing just, around in yeah, his seat. It's just, <laughs> sound terrible. Yes, they are. You haven't heard the third one yet. Number three, Poltergay, 2006. <laughs> when Mark and Emma moved into their new house, they had no idea that in the 1970s, their basement was a gay nightclub, which had been destroyed by fire, and that the house itself is now haunted by the ghosts of five gay and mischievous clubbers. And now their penchant for raising the roof with renditions of Boney M's Rasputin causes havoc in the household. Poltergay will have your sides in stitches and your head rolling on the floor. If that isn't true, Peter, I'm going to kick you. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is it going to be? Um, I see you're all flummoxed. I can see a lot yeah. of baffled faces. I, I, I've heard of, have you heard of Poultrygeist, which is set in a haunted KFC? That's a genuine film. Um, I think all of these sound rubbish enough to exist. This is the problem. I'm just trying to think which Peter would have made up. Poltergaving's a very, very vague bell. I don't know. Peter had a lot of fun reading that out. Mm. I think that's my pick. You know, future ghost I could envision. Yeah. It's, it sounds so terrible it must be true. Mm, it sounds like a, a Blumhouse mm. special. Adam's package could have been a Tommy Wiseau film. Um, yeah. What was the second one again? The second one was future ghost. Yeah. Basically, her future self tells her that her husband's going to kill her. Uh, oh. Yeah, I think it's the third one for me. I'm not convinced about Adam's package. It sounded like there was too much in there. 
like Peter Paul and screenplay ideas into one package. Yes, he does that. He does go <laughs> over the top when he's making something up. He puts in too many details. I'm going to go for the first one as well. I think Adam's package. Poltergeist. What is it, Peter? Poltergeist is real. Oh, my. <laughs> Get <Right>. in. <laughs> you can have your I chance mean, to see it. Where That's is it? great for representation, I guess. It is directed <laughs> by Eric Blaine and stars Julie Depardieu. I Apparently. would love to be Any relation by... to Gerard? Actually, yes. She's his daughter. <laughs> but yes, it sounds absolutely terrible. I have a ghost. Okay. In my house. She's behind you right now. It's you from three years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, the cat. The cat's definitely picking up on something. I thought you were saying your cat was a ghost. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually make a lot of sense. <laughs> Do you know how I know I don't have a ghost in this house? Because they don't exist. <laughs> John. Sorry. I believe that they may. What does your ghost do? Inconveniences my cat when my cat gets comfortable. There's something in my house. What does what? it do? It could be mice. Ghost mice? Well, there's ghost mice. There's real ghosts. I believe in ghosts. Um, ghost mice, not real ghosts? Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's a good point. Actually. Just justice for ghost mice. <laughs> Well, like, if all ghosts were real and like you had ghost animals, wouldn't we be, like, overwhelmed with ghost beetles and flies? And well, this is a book I remember from when I was a kid called Four-Legged Ghosts, mm. where their pet dies and comes back as a ghost, but then suddenly loads and loads of animals who have died in the area over any amount of time start returning as ghosts. And I think it's sort of set early 20th century and they have an elephant foot umbrella stand and the elephant comes back as a ghost <laughs> mm. whose foot was turned into the umbrella stand. Is he hopping? Uh, no, <laughs> he's not. He comes back as fully ghost form. Is he um, hopping mad, surely? Uh, but then, yeah, it's exactly as you described. The, the kid gets overwhelmed with the sheer number of animal ghosts and has to find a way to help them all return to the afterlife. But yes, you raise a valid point yeah. that has been addressed in literature. So Poltergeist is real. Yeah, yeah. Also true is Adam's Package, <laughs> the story of the strange alien living the life of a Hollywood model, bizarrely enough. And the one I made up is Future Ghost. Future Ghost. I'd, buy, I'd watch Future Ghost. Well, you convinced us all there. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen worse films. Yes. Have, you really have. Have you seen... Four a, or five a week, normally. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen Ghost Story, the Casey Affleck film? I, oh, is that I, the I one where they have, like, um, sheets over their heads? Yeah, basically, Casey Affleck dies and comes back as a ghost. And he's literally just Casey Affleck with a sheet over his head with two holes cut in it. So you don't see his face for the rest of the movie. And it's bizarre. It just goes on, like, he, he, he's in the house and his wife can't see him. And then his wife gets another partner. And then another Casey Affleck ghost appears. And then, because he's a ghost, he's there forever. The house gets demolished and he's wandering around. And then so it's a sci-fi film and he's like still says ghost wandering around the future. So is it good? Yeah, it's great. Oh, it's right. really, really good. Yeah, it's uh, David Lowry, isn't it, who yeah. directed The Green Knight recently and I loved The Green Knight. Mm. But a ghost story sounded a little bit too weird. But I mean, based on how good The Green Knight mm. was, I might give it a go. Sounds just weird enough for me. Ah. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. It's more of a tone piece. Don't expect like a great narrative, but... It's a weird, kind of very high concept, but Casey Affleck also grounds it very well. Mm, cool. John, surprise us. Here we go. It's time to put on makeup. It's time to light the lights. <laughs> it's time to get things started on the Buff or Bluff tonight. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's Muppet time. Right. Muppets. Yeah. You think Muppets are fun, don't you? Oh, no. 
<laughs> Muppets are dark. Are you about to ruin Muppets Haunted Mansion for me? You haven't watched it yet, have you? Is this no, but I, if I've got these things in my head that you're about to tell <laughs> me, is it? do I need to cover my ears? I think so. Oh, God. Here are three <laughs> bus or bluffs about the Muppets. Number one, Kermit the Frog was responsible for 9-11. <laughs> now, I have to uh... say, this is a conspiracy theory rather than right. guarded truth, but this is a popular conspiracy theory. And I point you to the film, A Very, Very Muppet Christmas Movie. This isn't a Muppet Christmas Carol. This is the less popular Muppet Christmas movie that came out in 2002. Important date, came out in 2002. And the story is basically a Muppet riff on It's a Wonderful Life. So um, Kermit is very sad because his show isn't working and his friends are ignoring him a bit. And he starts to wish he was never born and an angel appears to show Kermit what life would be like if he had never been born. So you go and you see, like, um, Fuzzy Bear never gets to be a comedian, all that kind of stuff. And towards the end, you get to see Miss Piggy. And Miss Piggy is a sad little spinster living alone in her Manhattan apartment, being very sad and never getting to be the Miss Piggy she got to be. But look through the window over the New York skyline. There, the Twin Towers in 2002, suggested in an alternative reality where Kermit was never born, 9-11 never happened. <laughs> Okay. Better point. It's the only explanation. <laughs> Number two, during location filming of um, Sesame Street in Italy during the 1980s, the Big Bird costume was kidnapped. They tried to ask for $20,000 ransom for the return of the Big Bird costume. When they didn't immediately return it, staff came to the office one day to find a box containing Big Bird's foot together with a note saying the rest would follow if payment was not made. So if you wait long enough, they're going to send it all back to you. <laughs> yeah, they could have just, they could just sit there and let that happen. And number three, Mark Johnson Williams, the inventor of Tickle Elmo, was followed by the FBI for six months because they believed he was the Unibomber. Uh, he was the same age, he had a science background, but more importantly, during the development of Tickle Elmo, he kept sending batteries and bits of wire and headless dolls in the mail back and forth to the Sesame Street workshop. He would have had the knowledge and the materials back then when they had a, a different kind of understanding of inventing toys. He fitted entirely the profile of the Unibomber and was sending batteries in the post mm. with wires attached. The FBI might take an interest in that, but... Mm -hmm. I assume he is not still being pursued he's by not them. Still, he's not being pursued, no. I mean, did they actually get the Unibomber? I think they did, didn't they? Mm, they did. Is it not the plot of Manhunter, one of the seasons? There would have been a lot of suspects, though, because yeah. it went on for a long time. Ted Kaczynski was the actual Unibomber. Yes, he was. Okay. And he did not have anything <laughs> to do with Sesame Street. Nor, I believe, did the people who cut off Big Bird's foot. Well, they you were. You have it, my doubt on that one. Yeah. They were, it was potentially the Italian mafia related. To was the it mafia. though, John? Was it? Well, I, they did. I mean, like, I mean, so, did, did someone turn around and find a Muppet horse in their bed? Snuffleupagus's <laughs> 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 head. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they refused to pay the ransom and said this is ridiculous. And then the foot appeared in a box with a note saying, if you don't pay the ransom, the rest of Big Bird will follow. And they paid. Never pay. Yeah, they did pay. Yeah, did they though, John? Did yeah, they? well, <laughs> I, I, I think the logic was they were in Italy, so they couldn't like just conjure up another big bird costume. So how much do you allege they? Twenty thousand dollars. Oh, that's nothing. No, this is in like the seventies, though. Oh, that's loads. Especially, <laughs> especially considering it would have been in lira. Oh. Mm -hmm. 
It was the equivalent. Muppets dollars. <laughs> With Sam the Eagle on them. Yeah. yeah, that's my bluff. You've clearly watched A Very, Very Muppet Christmas in enough detail, so I choose to believe number one is true. Mm. Just to no, clarify, no. you, you believe that Kurt the Fog was responsible for I 9/11. believe that the scene you describe in A Very, Very Muppet <laughs> Christmas occurred. I do not endorse your initial sentence. <laughs> Big Bird's foot. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Big Bird's foot or paw or claw or whatever it happens to be. So we had the Unabomber and we had 9-11. What was the other one? Big Bird's foot being returned. Mm. That's the FBI for six months believed the creator of Tickle Elmo was the Unabomber. I'm going to go for that one, the Unabomber. Okay. Two of you are correct. Big Bird <laughs> was never kidnapped by the mafia and having had his foot returned. <laughs> you shot me. In a me. box. <laughs> Uh, did you have fun doing that, John? I did have fun doing <laughs> that, yes. So, inspired by Ben Platt in Dear Evan Hansen, I have a quiz about movie teenagers played by actors that were definitely not teenagers. <laughs> uh, I, I call it, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids? The Steve Buscemi meme. Right. With him in his backwards baseball cap yes. and a skateboard pretending to be in a high school. Yes. Yes. Ah, uh, Steve Buscemi. I'll tell you the celebrity and ask each of you to guess their real age when they played a teenager. All three of you will get a guess. The closest to the right answer will get a point, but if you get it exactly right, you get three points. Woohoo! Okay. Woo-hoo. So, number one. James Dean played the archetypal angry teenager in Rebel Without a Cause, but how old was Dean himself when he made the film? Let's go to John first for this one. 32. 32. 29. 27. Ooh. Uh, Peter is closest with 27. You will get one point. Uh, James Dean was 24 when he made Rebel Without a Cause, but he died a month before it was released at the age of 24. Uh, Ah. I had four in my head. And you said... And you didn't say 32. And you didn't say 40. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's one point to Peter. Number two, uh, Sissy Spacek had cinema's most memorable high school prom in Carrie, but how old was she when she played the role? Carrie, see you first. 26. Peter? 24. Well, she had her first period, like, (laughs) in the film, so she really... In the film, do you think that was real? Possibly. Method. Method. (laughs) I'm going to go a little bit younger, I'm going to go 22. Uh, Keris gets the point for that one. No exact answers. Sissy Spacek played Carrie at the age of 29. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, she's been like a set painter and things before that. That's weird. There's mm-hmm. some really well-known movie she's down in the painting credits for. Really? Uh, what, did she use a bucket? Did they use a bucket? It was a ter- oh. terrible Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they should have done Carrie on Carrie. <laughs> How do you mean great? Carrie was a musical at one point, wasn't it? It was a famous musical flop, yeah. Yeah. Like, lasted a few performances and got booed off stage. Did they have, like, huge torrents of blood? Mm, they had the bucket, and they do a song and dance while they're collecting the pig blood for the bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why it didn't succeed. Uh, no idea. Uh, so, number three, uh, we mentioned him before. Alan Rook can be seen these days as Connor Roy in succession, but he's still probably best known as Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. How old was Alan in that movie, Peter? Ferris Bueller. So not Ferris himself, but, the best but Cameron. 27. 27 from Peter. John, what do you think? I think he was probably... I'm going to go for 30. 30 for John. I'm going to go with 22. 
22. Oh, Karis, what faith you have in Hollywood. I think Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Broderick was around that age when mm. they made it. But Alan Rook was, in fact, 30 years old when Ooh. he played Cameron. Oh. Uh, so three points for John. So uh, I could play a teenager. You could. There's still hope for you in high school Hollywood. Um, um, no, I mean, you look... <laughs> I mean, you look rough for your age, so probably not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know Alan Rook, Karis. Um, fair play. Thanks, thanks for keeping me honest, guys. Uh, so, uh, John is ahead. Um, number four. Uh, Andrew Garfield was high school student Peter Parker in The Amazing Spider-Man. But how old was he when he first played the friendly neighbourhood superhero, John? Early to mid-20s. I'm going to go 24. 24 for John. 29. 29 for Karis. 23. 23. Uh, well, that high school Peter Parker was played by a 27-year-old mm. Andrew Garfield, Ooh. but he was 29 when the film was released. So I'm going to give Karis two points for that one. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um, so you are now equal with John, and it's Karis's go to go first with number five. Stockard Channing, first lady of the West Wing, played a teenager in Greece, but how old was she when she was Rizzo? Ooh, 20... 28. 28. Mm-hmm. 33. 33 from Peter. I'm going to go really old. I think she likes you. 40 or 41. <laughs> oh, wow, John. <laughs> Going for broke, bro. Let's hope she's not listening. I can reveal she was 33. Yeah. Peter gets the three points wow. for that one. Um, I think she was the oldest member of the cast in yeah. Greece, but yeah, there were sure. a few people in their 30s playing teenagers in Greece. Loads of them. Yeah. It was all so obvious as well. Like, at no point did I think they were teenagers. I don't know Greece that well. I love Greece. I was listening to the soundtrack yesterday. Yeah, because she's got a couple of songs, hasn't she? She's fantastic. You know, I always watched that movie and thought I want to be Rizzo when I grow up. Oh, there's still time. Mm-hmm. You've still got a few yeah. years to get to Rizzo's age. <laughs> yeah. um, you want to be women you're pregnant after being on the backseat of a car with a... Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like that one that goes, there are worse things I could do than go with a boy or 42. <laughs> <laughs> that was an uncanny impression there, Peter. <laughs> it's like I was watching a... Yeah, a real pink lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that what they were called? The yes. pink ladies, yes. yeah. Pink ladies. Uh, so we've got one more actor to go. Uh, at the moment, Peter is on four points. John is on three. Karis is on three. So it's all to Ooh. play for. So Peter will go first for this final question. Shirley Henderson was moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. How old was she when audiences saw her as the ghostly Hogwarts student? Karis is pulling a moaning Myrtle face right now. 28. 28 from Peter. John? 34. 34 from John? 34. I'll go for 36. It's three points for Karis. Yes. <laughs> she, uh, Shirley Henderson was 36 when she mm. played a wow. teenager, so there's hope for me as well. <laughs> Weirdly, she'd played a 30-something in Bridget Jones's Diary the year before yeah. Harry yeah. Potter came out and was cast as a schoolgirl. I remember that. For that sequel, which means she must have been nearly 40 in Goblet of Fire yes. when Moaning Myrtle came back. Uh, so at the end of the uh, How Do You Do Fellow Kids game, Karis wins with six points. Uh, so you get to cast the next high school uh, Hollywood drama with uh, actors of any age you wish, including yourself Thank you. and me. I'm available. I'm in the teenage age range. We'll all be in it. We're the disapproving parents, Peter, now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, dear Evan Hansen was getting some controversy mm. for having a 27-year-old, but yeah. you know, based on some of these, it's not that bad. Could I be the groovy school teacher who's down with the kids? Do you sit on the chair backwards? So I put a baseball cap on and I tell them how Shakespeare was hip. <laughs> Would you do a rap? <laughs> Would you tell us about all the drugs you've tried? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey kids, I'm off my tits right now. <laughs> Don't make the mistakes I made. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even a teacher, uh, I'm just... Just oh. a mate. Just, Just a, a mate. pal. You don't call me Mr. You can call me Mr. F or Johnny. I don't care. <laughs> oh, petition to remake Dead Poet Society with John. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see me try and stand on a desk. <laughs> we can strengthen it. <laughs> it's a bit meat. <laughs> Accurate, but. Sorry, John. Apparently, Tom Holland is the only live action movie Spider Man to have actually been a teenager at any point while playing the role. Mm because he was 19 when they filmed Civil War. I guess because I, I watch so many horror films and so many of them are, you know, a bunch of teenagers from high school go off to a cabin and it, it, they never look like teenagers. No. I watched an episode of Doctor Who yesterday from, um, I think, second or third series. And there's a thing where they're in talking to kids in the classroom. And the weird thing was thinking, they actually look like children <laughs> compared to what you're so used to seeing on TV. And yeah, it's quite odd when you are a teenager and you see all of these people like Buffy. Uh, Nicholas Brendan was in his late 20s when he was a high schooler as Xander. And you're thinking, well, I'm in high school right now and nobody looks like these people. Are we doing it wrong? I assume people went to high school longer in America. Until they stayed in high school until they were the 20s. I thought, you know, I never really, I, I knew there was something wrong, but I could never quite put my finger on it. Why does Hollywood keep doing it? I mean, I know with, with, is it, is that what it is up till the age of 18? Have have they got the restrictions? That's partially it, but also that way you have people who are proven as actors. Mm. Uh, That way you also have that people won't change that much. Yeah. Whereas if you get them at just a particular age, they can look very different a year or two later. Because this is the problem Stranger Things is about to have. Mm. Uh, when they all speak like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're all aged 45 like and they're Cockneys. trying to be... Yeah. That sounded exactly yeah. like Billy Bobby Brown. It did, yeah. <laughs> when they went through the change, it was a big change. Yeah, yeah. I turned into a Cockney when I went through puberty. Oh, I'm a sidekick. <laughs> We're in the upside down now. Map <laughs> <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, if you're aged 36 or under, hopefully that mm-hmm. made you feel better about yourself. So much better about myself. How old was um, Daniel Radcliffe by the time of the last Harry Potter? I think he was in his early 20s because he mm. was 11 or 12 when he was cast and the eight films took 10 years. Yeah. So he was a bit older than Harry would have been, but not massively. Because the idea was sort of the opposite of what you were saying, Peter. Mm. They wanted the characters to age along yeah. with the stories, which is why they had to keep getting them made quite quickly mm. they couldn't take two or three years and between the sto- each the film the stories get more adult and darker yeah. as they go along in the cask yeah i understood that the last scene in the seventh film is the only one where they weren't wearing makeup they were that old by then <laughs> <laughs> the 19 years later Just, epilogue yeah <laughs> <laughs> So that's our episode. Um, If you've enjoyed it, we'd love it if you would give us a like or review on Facebook or Twitter or the podcast app. That would be amazing. And if you do that as a special treat, Keres, what will you do for our listeners? I'll buy you a day rider around Newcastle. (laughs) (laughs) There's a tour bus and we'll sit on the top, whether you want to or not, regardless of the weather. 
and we will recreate our own version of Speed on Speed. Mm-hmm. Good. Will you be Keanu or Sandra? <laughs> oh, I'll definitely be Sandra. That's not up for grabs. Oh, and I might ask if we can drive the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so that's everything for another episode you have been listening to. A man who will challenge you to Tekken any time as long as I can be Eddie Gordo. A skydiving DJ who speaks seven languages. A woman who is coming up for the songs for Speed the Musical as we speak. And a man who is about to send Gonzo's nose in the post to the Sesame Street Company. <gasps> you bastard! What will his chicken wife think? <laughs> <laughs> Bye! 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 Goodbye! K.O. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats for tonight's performance. Look out, there's a pram! This bus is a death trap. Holy shit, the road is closed. We're never gonna jump that gap. 50 miles is the magic number If we're going to walk away Any slower means eternal slumber I hope we see another day I drive the bus every day Through downtown LA I believe in God, so I pray that he will guide me. Now I have to travel so fast, at a speed that just can't last. Every obstacle must be passed, while Dennis Hopper chides me. 50 miles is the magic number, if we're hoping to survive. Any slow one needs a turn.